This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The IRS is the most feared agency in the world. You've heard ads from other companies offering to help taxpayers only if they owe over $10,000. Here at Platinum Tax Defenders, we're A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, and we're proud to be one of the only tax firms in the country who understands that people who owe less than $10,000 need help just as badly. The IRS doesn't care how much money you owe. They'll still garnish your wages and even seize your assets. So whether you owe just a few thousand dollars or hundreds of thousands, call now for your free tax consultation. If you qualify, we may even be able to reduce your tax debt down to a small fraction of what you owe. So don't wait until the IRS seizes your property and garnishes your wages. Call 800-579-4967 and get your tax problem resolved once and for all. That number again is Triple eight seven two seven back eight 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 seven two seven B E C K. Glenn uh, last night on history was uh, talking about Upton Sinclair. Uh, you may or may not be familiar with him. Big writer in the early nineteenth uh, century, and he wrote this story. He went to a, a factory. Um, it was a was it a slaughterhouse for pigs? I think something like that, where you know a lot of immigrants worked. And he uh, pretended to be a worker there for six months or something. And then he made up this story afterward called The Jungle about how bad the conditions were and how everybody was treated. And and, and it just wasn't true. And he made it a novel and it said it was a novel. But then he treated it like it was a real story and so did the press. And his, his thing was to turn the country around on on uh, the plight of the immigrant. He's a socialist, an avowed socialist. And so he wanted to turn the country around on, you know, income inequality and all that kind of stuff. And instead, what it did was it freaked people out about the way food is processed. (laughs) And so it it led to the creation of the FDA. Uh, And so I don't, it didn't really have the intended consequence he was looking for. but it was it was impactful. It was, but it was very impactful. Yeah. And and I now kind of remember this as we come coming back to it. Um, was it Dreamers and Deceivers? It was one of those one of those books. It was I that one. I think it was that. I one. think it was Dreamers and Deceivers, where this was uh, hmm. the whole story was turned around, and it was really by the help of one of the listeners to the radio show, who actually was able to do it. Uh, Glenn talked about it last night, um, and uh, here you go. I want to take you 26 years prior. Sinclair is uh, married to a woman named Meta, and she, by all accounts, is unstable, has great bouts of depression and, um, and very, very moody. And they live out in the middle of nowhere. 
um, Sinclair's family, her family, they are not happy about the marriage. They're not happy about them going out. And it, they're all pretty miserable. They don't want to have children. In fact, they don't even have a traditional marriage, or at least that's the way it starts. Upton says to Meta, you know what? Um, we got to live as brother and sister. Well, that sounds, well, that sounds fun. Yeah, that's, and that's going to work out well. Well, it didn't, she becomes pregnant. And the reason why he wants to live his brother and sister, and she does too, is they're just miserable. And they think that the world is on the edge of disaster. And America is such a horrible place that they do not want to have a child and bring them up into this despicable country and this world where the workers are all slaves. She becomes pregnant because the brother and sister thing didn't work out. What a surprise. She tries to tell him. She's horrified. She doesn't want a child. She's terrified. She doesn't want to have this child. She doesn't want to tell her husband. She doesn't know how to. Abortion is illegal. She comes into the room and sits down with him and she says, Upton, I'm, she begins to cry. And he reels back and says, dear God, not pregnant. They both spend the night crying and then deciding, how do we kill the child? The first thing they do is she gets up on the bed as she is pregnant and she gets up on the bed and she continually throws herself down on the ground as a pancake with all of the force hitting the baby, trying everything she can to miscarry and to kill the child. That doesn't work. So they start to read about different concoctions that she can drink that won't kill her, but will perhaps throw the baby into so much distress that the baby will die. They try every kind of remedy, every kind of wives' tale. She's drinking everything. That doesn't work. Upton doesn't want the child, not just because he doesn't want to raise a child in this world, he had a horrible, horrible childhood with his father who drank and they lived in a horrible place. He also wants social justice. He also knows I have a mission and I can't have, in his words, the screaming of a child that will break my concentration. She has the child. And he ends up spending a lot of time away from home. Now, go forward two years to Chicago. Up in Sinclair is known for a book that he wrote, actually a couple, but one of them, it came from Chicago. He was walking around in the muddy streets with the muck in his boots and the blood that was mixing in the streets. He was living away from the wife that he loved and the child that he didn't want. Um, but he was so tied up in knots. He always had migraines and uh, indigestion and nervous tension. 
a case of the vapors, I would imagine. And he's writing for a socialist uh, newspaper, the leading socialist newspaper now in America. And he, they were serializing uh, his reports from the stockyards. Because remember, that's what Chicago was. Chicago was nothing but a butcher town. That's where everybody brought their animals and they butchered everything all at the same time. It was massive. He saw this machine of making food as slavery. He saw the workers as victims of slavery, what he called wage slavery. And the socialist and the communist countries were, were pushing this. And uh, it was at what we're experiencing now with minimum wage slavery. And doing everything you can, these social justice warriors, to make sure that everybody who had never seen a slaughterhouse before know how horrible it is and how these people are trapped and can't do anything else. Even though at the time, Chicago and these meatpacking plants were the number one destination for a lot of people coming over from the old country. They wanted to come to America. They needed a job and they saw that there was meatpacking in Chicago. They would come from Europe just to be able to apply for a job at these meatpacking plants. This was something that wasn't wage slavery the way the workers saw this. But Upton Sinclair got into the factory and he he got in without telling anybody that he was a journalist. He would never bring out his notepad and paper. He said he would just memorize what happened. What happened was he was writing in his head a book that he thought would be Uncle Tom's Cabin. Um, and it would do for the kind Uncle Tom's Cabin did, and that was Free the Slaves. His book was called The Jungle. Now remember, Teddy Roosevelt had already broken up the Standard Oil Company. He had already uh, broken up uh, the railroad barons. He was a progressive himself. He wanted to break things up. So when he saw the jungle, which had captivated America, grabbed everybody's attention, because it is brutal, he immediately invited Upton Sinclair to the White House, said, I have to meet this man because this man can change the world. This should tell us something about Upton Sinclair, because here are two titans of the progressive era. Theodore Roosevelt, who I believe was actually trying to fight and do the right thing, and Upton Sinclair, who believed the ends justify the means. Teddy Roosevelt sat down with him and said, so tell me about this, because we're on a common mission. Tell me about what you saw Upton was a little fuzzy. And Teddy started to get suspicious and he said, so hang on here. Could I ask you, you're a journalist, yes? Why did you write this book as a novel? Why didn't you use it as an expose? Upton hemmed and hawed and said, finally, well, there's a few liberties here and there, but I, I, only the, the only changes I really made was, was just enough to hold people's attention. That's really it. 
Theodore Roosevelt said, you know what? Good news today for you. Because of your book, I'm going to send investigators up, federal investigators, on my charge, and we are going to get to the bottom of what you found in the jungle. That changed Upton Sinclair. He leapt to his feet and accused Theodore Roosevelt of being one of them. If you send the investigators in, it'll be like sending burglars into the crime scene to, del to deliver the verdict on their own guilt. When he left, Theodore Roosevelt wrote and said, this is a dangerous, dangerous man. Quote, I have utter contempt for him. He's hysterical, he's unbalanced, he's untruthful. Three-fourths of the things that he says are absolute falsehoods. And the remainder, there's only a basis of truth. Upton Sinclair felt the same. He said, he's an appalling clown and dupe, that president of ours. And there was this great tension and the United States being a home of immigrants, these influences were coming in from the country and these radical anarchists were coming in mainly from Italy. This group of desperate change makers were blowing themselves up, blowing other people up in a wave of terror that the country had never seen. The target was always the same, the system. Carlo Valdinocci was an immigrant from um, Italy and he loaded himself with dynamite and guns and his idea was early in the morning, he's gonna show up and he's got his anarchist pamphlets and he's gonna knock on Attorney General Palmer's door as he opens the door, he's going to blow himself up and he will take the attorney general and perhaps his whole family out with him. If you're going to be a terrorist with a suicide vest, it would help not to be clumsy because he started coming up the front stairs and wobbled a bit and tumbled down and blew himself up. And just like the uh, Archduke Ferdinand who had been eliminated or assassinated by anarchists, the United States knew this would start war. We must stamp it out. The first war of terrorism in America began. Hi, Pat Stu. Triple H seven two seven Beck. And I think our phones actually work now, so that's it's kind of cool. We had some. <laughs> We've been telling you to call in, and we've yeah, phones have and been basically, for a while. <laughs> you can call all you want. We just can't talk to you. Uh, but now I think we can, uh, even though there's some other technical problem right now. But uh, 
But the phone issue has been has been we, we we're working on this transition of moving everything from New York to here. Now that's been done. And I think uh, I think the phones work again. So that's kind of cool. So what we should do and what we didn't think of uh, enough, perhaps, was uh, why, didn't, why aren't we doing uh, we should do more on trivia for Friday's show. Well, we certainly can't do it for Friday's show. I mean, we I, can't or can't can't no, can't do it for Friday's show. No, not uh, we're not. That ready could for that. not happen on radio. Not this week. No. No, really. No, weekend, we just no. launched the, the studio last week. What? This is the weekend to do it. What? What is happening with Jeffy's um, situation over there? Anybody know? Speak again, Jeffy. It sounds like you're. Hello. No, I don't know. Is if your microphone him. on? There's, a, there's another mic open. I would say it sounds like. There. Thank you. Uh, yes, I think okay. I think now has been solved. Okay. Uh, so uh, yeah, no, we were not uh, technically able to do that. We're trying to stay on the air every day uh, at this point, Pat. Uh, so no, we're not going to try to just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've now entered. Uh, we're you're taking a feed from space, um, where uh, John Glenn is orbiting the planet. Uh... <laughs> if the issue we... is Jeffy's microphone. <laughs> We could just turn it off for all time. I mean, I think that's a solution. We just yeah, never be turn it back hard. on again. Wouldn't be that a problem. Not a problem. I wouldn't be able to talk. Yes, you would yeah. not be able to talk. Right. And now his microphone's off and, and everyone's happy. Okay. Um, so uh, Faithwire has a rundown of kind of what, 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 something, some of the stuff we talked about yesterday, but they expanded on it on Meryl Streep's uh, applause for Roman Polanski. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it is pretty amazing. A couple of things that I had not uh, initially read. This is a story about Roman Polanski's terrible assault of a 13-year-old girl. Um, in 1977, um, she, uh, the director asked the mother of this daughter that if, she, if he could photograph her for French Vogue. Okay, so okay. Uh, the mother says yes. Uh, they do a private photo shoot. There's your first problem right there. Why would the mother say yes? Well, I mean. Hey, I, Roman, go ahead. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea, and I won't even be there. If you're going to say yes, yeah, don't right. you at least say, well, okay, if I can be there with her. Right. You've got a 13-year-old daughter. You just put her in the hands of Roman Polanski? But, I mean, you know, you think he's a celebrity. No, and, yeah, I know. I mean, I don't, but, I mean, Jeffy would. Jeffy, Heartbeat, yes. Jeffy was. Jeffy would hope something would happen so he could launch and initiate a lawsuit. I will say that a I lawsuit. was around Jeffy at a time he was advocating to mm-hmm. try to get his kids taken to the Neverland Ranch. He I wanted, will say that that's He a, wanted that his <laughs> small children to go up and knock on Michael Jackson's door, <laughs> didn't you? Didn't you, <laughs> Jeffy? That was your deal. It was a, th- a thought. And to have him go, oh. <laughs> It was a thought. Come on you in. You know, I'll come back on Monday. <laughs> I'll pick you up on Monday. Little Jeffy. It, it was an idea. I love the children. Come on in. It was an idea. Look, was children an idea. Are res- Look all kids are resilient, first of all. <laughs> they get over things. <laughs> oh, man. So bad. So terrible. So okay, bad. so let's get back to an actual, yes. uh, okay. this, this terrible story. I did not realize that she did an interview in 2003. Um, and Because something Who in my, did? Uh, the, the, the victim of this crime. The actual uh, The actual the girl. Year old. She's no longer 13. Uh, she aged uh, one year for every 365 she days she was alive. Oh, wow. uh, so now she's wow. older. Um, and so... <laughs> How much? Uh, f- approximately 40 years older uh, now. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, and, there you go. Uh, so that would put her at 53. Uh, but so, uh, about uh, 10, or f- 10 or 15 years ago, she did an interview about the incident and was not, not you know, because sometimes you get those stories where um, a, a, an assault happens or something, and the person 
understandably, 30 years later, does not want to revisit it and say, yeah. hey, by the way, um, right. I want to revisit this whole thing and make my life about this incident again. You've hopefully been able to move past it. And, and, yeah. and while it's never going to stop affecting you, it doesn't mean you want it to, like all fired up again. Uh, that was apparently not the case here. They, she, she said that she you know, was against her will. Um, she said uh, she was excited. She yeah, she was excited that uh, you know that someone wanted to photograph her. I mean, she's a 13-year-old girl, and was excited about maybe being in a huge fashion magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, these things it immediately almost turned into topless photos. Um, uh, again, you got to be there with your kid, uh, but I mm-hmm. mean, this is not a good decision, obviously, by the uh, the parent. Um, uh, she was. Um, she said she be- grew more co- uncomfortable when he grabbed her around the waist and started to move her hips around. When she hopped out of the jacuzzi and retreated to the bathroom, she said Polanski followed her there, and she told him she wanted to go home. Yeah, I'll take you home soon, he said, according to her testimony. No, I have to go home now. She then testified Polanski persuaded her to go to the bedroom and lie down. She went in there but said that she sat on the couch in, in the bedroom. Polanski sat next to her, started reaching over to kiss her. Um, uh, she said that uh, she, told him, she told him to keep away, uh, let, let me go home. Uh, and then he went on and advanced the situation. Uh, she said she was ready to cry. She kept saying, no, come on, stop it. Again, this is a 13-year-old. This is like, mm-hmm. you know, like, if the case was, and I think this is the way that Hollywood likes to present it, you know, she was one day before her 18th birthday, and they were in love, and, um, and they had something that went on, and the stupid police prosecuted it anyway. That's what they want you to think about this case. It's not this. Yes. This is not only a statutory rape. It's the classic, she said no, and he did it anyway rape. It's both kinds. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's really incredible that this guy still is embraced uh, to this day. Um, he uh, wound up having sex with her. She uh, testified she was asked um, about um, other kinds of sex. Of course, obviously, she was not into that. He did it anyway. Uh, On and on and on. I mean, look, Mm. this is relevant in the news because of the Meryl Streep thing. She comes out and she's critical of everybody else's morals while she's standing up and applauding a person who's a child rapist. But the story is, is is an important story, not because of Meryl Streep. Because of, uh, because of Roman Polanski. The man needs to pay for these crimes before he dies. Um, he's old. He should still be in prison. And I hope, I, I, maybe Donald Trump would do something about that. Maybe he'll, uh, you know, do what he can to try to, to get him uh, out of there. Um, but, you know, he's still running free and has never paid for, this, for these pro- crimes. Um, and, and the rest, I don't know, want most, to get too in detail. Here, but, uh, most men like that. Uh, don't really rehabilitate. No. So I'm sure that there are other things that we could catch him on uh, over mm. these past 40, 50 years. It would be, yeah, but, you know, I mean, look, if let's say you go through an 80-year life and the one thing you did wrong was, hey, I just happened to have sex with a 13-year-old multiple times against your will one night. Doesn't seem, doesn't seem probable. No, it does not. Does not seem probable. I'm going to throw that out there. Mm. Got nothing else. No, I have no other not. evidence. <laughs> uh, does not seem like a probable course of, of how a life breaks out. And even if that is the one misstep Still you made, bad. you need to pay for that uh, dearly. Yes. Yeah, you do. To the full extent of the law. Um, uh, let's. Uh, do we have time for the um, uh, uh, this trailer, this M Night Shyamalan movie? Yeah. Uh, First of all, I would like to mention, as long as we're on Meryl Streep, 
Another little section that she was babbling about was where everybody everybody was born. Which was she's just mentioning stupid. all these countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're right, it was stupid. However, um, she highlighted uh, countries, not cities. You know, Ryan Gosling, like all nice people, are, was born in, in Canada. Dev Patel, I think, India. Amy Adams, I have no idea. Ruth Nega, although where those people were born. And as far as Natalie Portman, she was born in Jerusalem. Now, is that some calculated thing to not say that Jerusalem is Israel? Probably, oh, yeah, knowing her politics. Knowing her. I bet it, I yeah. bet it was. Um, and on, uh, on Tuesday, uh, Portman's agent, Chris Andrews, emphatically said she was born in Israel. So I, I don't know if they took offense to that. I doubt it because I'm sure everybody reveres, everybody in Hollywood Reveres Meryl Streep as if she's a goddess. I mean, I understand the uh, the issues with the uh, the territory and how it's fought about, and and how the original design kind of laid out Jerusalem as, you know, uh, part of uh, multiple states. But I mean, in reality, if I were to say I was born in Chicago or I was born in Miami, I mean, I don't think that would be offensive to me. No, uh, I mean, Jerusalem is freaking Israel. It is. It is. It's just freaking Israel. Yeah, but Period. but the uh, but, terrorists surrounding them deny that. Yes, and uh, and obviously uh, so much of Hollywood kind also of interesting. does. Yes. Um, yeah. Now we were also talking about the M Night Shyamalan uh, situation. I think for some reason the other day. Yeah, you had made um, a point that he had a, a one good movie. Yeah. Uh, which I disagreed <laughs> with. Uh, pretty it's solidly. Brilliant. I, I, pretty movie. strongly. I mean, I don't think he has made some really bad movies. Yes, and the happening yeah. is is the I would say the paramount among the bad movies. Although the other one that he made, the kids movie. The Last Airbender is seen, mm. known as really horrible as well. Yeah, I didn't like that. Um, I don't know which one is is worse, um, uh, you know. But uh, he's got a new movie coming out. It's called uh, Split. Looks pretty good, it actually. Does look I good. mean, it looks pretty intense. Mm. Uh, let's check out the trailer. I think you have the wrong car. What are we doing here? What the hell is going on? I was sent to get you for a reason. There's a flower on the pillows, a flower in the bathroom. Like, we're important. Only chance we have is if all three of us go crazy on this guy. Who is that? Maybe she can help us. We're here! Help us! We're in here! Don't worry. He's not allowed to touch you. He knows what you're here for. He listens to me. My name's Hedwig. How old are you? Nine. I've never seen a case like this before. 23 identities live in Kevin's body. Who are you? Help me get out of here, Hedwig. Are you trying to trick me? I'll tell on you. Aren't you the clever one? An individual with multiple personalities can change their body chemistry with their thoughts. Someone's coming for you. Who's coming? The beast. 
man here. He abducted us and he's going to kill me. We're meant for something. Something horrible. The world will understand now. The beast is real. He's that looks uh, to people, and he'll do awful things to you. Yeah, that's pretty intense. I mean, I, yeah, that looks intense. You want to talk about though, um, uh, heavy lifting for the main actor in that? No, I, yeah, that's that, that's going to rise and fall yeah. on whether he could pull off twenty-three different characters. Right. I mean, that is a real. Uh, if he does that, that's going to be pretty. And he amazing. doesn't even have to really pull off twenty-three. He's just got to pull off whatever, whatever five, five, five goodness, whatever the big yeah. ones are. Many yeah. They, yeah. they highlight, but that that looks pretty good. Yeah, it looks pretty good. It's pretty pretty intense. Um, you know, the thing about Sh- Shyamalan is he tries to do these incredible twists at the end of every yes, movie. He does. And he pulled it off brilliantly with maybe the coolest twist of all time in Sixth Sense. Yeah. But not as much in following movies, although I thought the village thing was kind of cool. If you didn't see that coming. It was a real twist. I mean, uh, it was a real twist. But some of the other twists have been like, what? That's stupid. Actually, his name's Steve, not Bill. The whole time. <laughs> it's been Steve. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, I so a, I don't know if there's a twist at the end of this one. Yeah, I don't is know there, either. Is I mean, there really a beast? Is maybe that the twist? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, don't know. Some website, uh, Paste Magazine, did a, uh, did a, site, uh, a list of every, ranked every uh, M. Night Shyamalan movie in order. Oh, from okay. worst to first. Um, so the worst one. Uh, the happening, yes, uh, which I would totally I agree with. One of the worst, honestly, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest, mm-hmm. um, the next in twelfth uh, place, uh, the last Airbender, which again, we, right. so we nailed those two. Uh, you'll appreciate this one. Uh, in eleventh place, they have the last five minutes of Signs. <laughs> I believe that. Yes, <laughs> so I, get, I agree with that. I like the rest yeah. of Signs. Yeah. The last five minutes. No, uh, I yeah. totally agree with that. Uh, Ten is Lady in the Water. I never actually saw that one from two thousand six. Yeah, I mean, I think I've seen that on network TV. It looked bad. Uh, nine is After Earth, another real bad After one. After Earth, what that is was that? with Will Smith's kid. <gasps> oh my oh, gosh, well, that was, was that the... bad? And Will Smith. Yeah, that yeah. was. Uh... Yeah, that was terrible. Was that M Night Shyamalan? I guess so. Yeah. Uh... I thought that was one of those. Uh, uh, he had a L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah, things. that was Will Smith's Scientology yeah. movie, man. Yeah. Uh, number eight was Devil from 2010, which was actually oh, pretty good. I, I like that. I didn't see it. I thought it was pretty good. It was mostly in an elevator, but it was not a bad movie. I thought that was yeah. pretty good. Uh, number seven is The Village, which I a lot I of like, people. I that's when that people turned like on him. Three. I feel like people Pat turned too. on him I know, there. Pat's pushed yeah. The Village. Uh, I like The Village too. I, I I'm I with like you on that. I didn't see the twist coming. I I actually liked the movie. I liked it. Um, but I, that's mm-hmm. when I think people turned on him. Yeah. Because people started saying, okay, too many twists, we got it. Like, mm-hmm. it, it became formulaic, although I didn't mm-hmm. see it coming. Uh, number six is Praying with Anger. I guess maybe his first movie I've never even heard of. Wow, I don't know um, that one. Number five, Wide Awake from 1998. I don't remember that don't either. Don't know that one either. Um, number four, The Visit, uh, which just came out last year. Um, I, is, oh, is that the kids? I think so. Yeah, they went to go see the grandma or something. Yes, I saw that on... Uh... On, I think uh, you did see it. You said it, you thought it was Angel. decent. It's okay. Yeah. It's um, okay. Uh, number three uh, was the first 100 minutes of Signs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number two, uh, Unbreakable. Uh, oh, yeah, I like two. Unbreakable. Yeah, that was cool. um, I like that, too. And then number one, as you would expect, obviously. The Sixth Sense, obviously. Yeah. So, all right, I'll be back in just a second. 888-727-BECK is the phone number. All right, uh, from the Blaze. Uh, Sarah Gonzalez. 
uh, joins us. Thank you so much for coming on, Sarah. Of course. Your I'm first, happy to be here. First time, right? Um, it is. It is. My my virgin experience on your show. Now, I would assume that this will be the last time, considering we put you so close to Jeffy. You did. Oh, we're just yeah. gonna, he's going to get me into that. trouble. <laughs> uh, so, it's, what a crazy news day today is. Yeah. Um, I guess you expect that leading up to a big inauguration and everything. You got Tillerson, that thing going on yes. uh, all day today. Yes. You had, last night, you had the Obama farewell. Yes. Uh, you have the Trump press conference today. I mean, my mind is blown. Maybe we start with the Trump thing. First of all, he comes out and talks about Russia and says maybe they did do the hacking after all. After right. all this, he right. now thinks they did do the hacking? That's kind of an amazing development. Well, he's kind of backed himself into a corner because he has denied it for so long, you know, despite mm-hmm. evidence proving contrary. And, you know, all he knows is deny, deny, deny. And then he has enough credible sources coming out and disputing what he's saying. He doesn't really have another choice but to just play it down. Right. So he wants to play it down, but also he's he knows that he's going to have to go along with what they're saying, especially after they hit um, after they hit yesterday. They hit Sessions so hard on it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they both, went after him on both that. Sessions and Tillerson identified Russia as a real threat. Exactly. Um, and I, so it's amazing to see that he would even choose to hire these people who don't see the world the same way as him. Well, yeah, but I think that he would be hard pressed to find someone <laughs> that he would be able to get confirmed <laughs> well, who, would, who would keep denying yeah, that in the left. face of, you know, mm-hmm. all of the evidence. We could import Vladimir Putin for secretary of state. And I then mean, we would definitely he, have he may be up for the for the task. Uh, I wouldn't be he surprised. Might. Now, oh, yeah. there, there was also a problem with the CNN reporter, right? Yes, because he yes. was calling CNN fake news. Yes. What happened with that? So um, when he was talking about the the supposed, alleged, I guess, Russian intel um, that CNN and BuzzFeed and um, some other various outlets had gone ahead and ran with, even though it wasn't verified. I don't know. Have you guys talked about that? Do yeah, you know about yeah. it? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's very, so, I think it's very shaky. It's thinly sourced. It is. It is. It, it, it's, it's questionable whether BuzzFeed should have printed it, I think. Right. It's highly exactly. questionable. Exactly. So... He went out and he condemned them. I mean, it's not shocking from Trump that, you know, especially in light of something that was so unverified, (laughs) you know, for him. So he went out and he said they're I can't believe they did this. You know, they're um, he called BuzzFeed a pile of garbage organization that's failing. Um, so he kind of BuzzFeed is failing. Organization that's failing. Yes. And kind of he looped he lumped CNN into oh. that as well. Which so, I think is a little unfair, to be honest. I, I saw I the, so the Tapper report yesterday. CNN's he, report was far different from BuzzFeed. Totally different. They didn't right. give any of the salacious details. No. They just said that he was presented with something of uh, some piece of evidence that uh, indicated that Russia was trying to compromise him. Right. Which, I, quite clearly, they were. Right. Uh, right. And I thought they handled it actually really well. I mean, I, they mm-hmm. were. They didn't even say, you know, a lot of it was sexual rumors. They were just like, there were personal issues and uh, financial issues. Right. They are very broad. Yeah, no, I agree. But, I mean, you know, this is Trump, and he's, <laughs> he's, not, he's not happy with any kind of negative media coverage. Right. So, and we know that from the campaign trail. So, he came out and he condemned CNN with along with BuzzFeed. And so, after he was done, you know, lambasting them, um, Jim Acosta, who is the CNN senior White House reporter, he stood up and he just said, "Since you address our organization, can I ask you a question?" 
and um, Trump tried, he tried to move on. He just was like, yeah, you over here, you over here, and tried to mm -hmm. just kind of ignore him, but Acosta wasn't going away. So he just <laughs> kept at it. He, no, mm -hmm. Mr. President, or Mr. President-elect, Mr. President-elect, and he kept on and pushed him to the point where Trump had, he felt he had no choice to go back and address him, and he told him, um, no, I'm not, you know, be quiet. I'm not going to answer you, your fake news. Your fake news. Yeah, he said, no, your fake on. news, move, let's move on, you're being very rude. He wow. told Acosta he was being rude. Yeah, it was wow. it was really tense. I mean, because, you know, look, I think uh, conservatives in general look at that and say, I like the fact that he's punching back at the media. I think a lot of people like that. Right. But really, mm. when you look at the merits of that, I can understand him being pissed off at BuzzFeed. Right. I can get, I get that. Right. But I, I don't get it with CNN. They were, that was a very restrained report. They went out of their way to not say any of the things that were really salacious, not to mention all these media sources had these reports as, as early as I've seen, as, at least August, and they could have run these things mm -hmm. before the, the election and chose not to, which you never expect the media to do. Right. Well, that, along with the fact that, I mean, so if you are taking one person in an organization or one reporter in, or, in an organization and lumping them in with the entire organization, yeah. I mean, one reporter doesn't necessarily have anything to do with something that someone else did or said, you know, so to yeah. punish someone. So where do you draw the line there? Right. I mean, you're it's, it's grudge city is what right. it is, right. and, uh, which I understand. I mean, I, you know, everyone has that natural instinct. I was shocked, however, to see him le basically leave the press conference by saying, by the way, this report came out. It's probably leaked by intelligence sources. I don't know. I mean, you're calling them out again. A lot of people believe, and I kind of on this bandwagon, that it was the C... Uh, thank you, Jeffy, for playing uh, the audio. Um, don't stop it, though. Keep it going until, <laughs> until Sarah's up. No, I want to hear the entire spot. <laughs> uh, there, this part of... Maybe the intelligence sources are, are, are making sure this gets out there to say, hey, Donald, you've been trashing us for a few months? You want to keep doing that. These things are going to continue to happen to you. Was there a message being sent from uh, the intelligence sources? I kind of am on that bandwagon that there's a good possibility that was part of it. Right. And for him to come out and not learn the lesson right. and take them on again and say, screw you, you know, uh, it might have been a, a, a bad act from our own government. Right. That was an amazing way to start that. I know. But, I mean, when you think about it, what, what motivation would he have to have to change his manner and change his direction, he where where would he have learned a lesson? He's yeah, acted yeah. the way that he's acted, right. and now he is going to be president of the United States. <laughs> Got him it's into worked. the White House. So right, it's worked for him. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. where where does he you know have a consequence that's bad enough that he realizes maybe he should take a different approach? I gotta say, I, you know, I was not a uh, Trump uh, supporter of, of any what? kind. As, uh, I, you know, uh, huh. I don't think anyone in this room was. We were all together uh, on election yes, night, yes, so we I think we're, fa we're familiar <laughs> with each other's feelings exactly. about that. Um, but, but there's a part of me that's, you know, he he had named a few. Some of these appointments have been decent, right? And I hadn't heard him speak in a while, and it's sort of like, <laughs> it faded. I mean, as much as I don't like his policies, it sort of faded away mm -hmm. a little bit. I wasn't yeah. quite as. As soon as he started talking again, it all comes back. I know. And I don't know how I'm going to get through the next four years. I don't know how. Um, it's going to be tough. Alcohol? Oh, that. <laughs> yes! Good That's suggestion. how I got through election night. I mean, uh, I just stay stocked up on my wine yeah. and just kind of roll with it. <laughs> That'll work. I have some better ways than alcohol. Yeah, Jeffy's got more no, advanced solutions uh, <laughs> for that particular topic. Um, so did you have, because I had that same feeling with Obama in some ways. Yes. I, I'm never going to agree with a guy, but when I don't hear from him for a while, he's 
sort of not part of my life. And we've kind of ignored him for yeah, about a year. For a good so, year. Right. Um, I mean, it's shocking when you hear it if you when you it haven't is. listened to it in a while. It's like, oh my gosh. I forgot how much I can't stand right. this well, guy. Well, and with Trump, he was, um, it was his first press conference since the election. Right. Right. So, and, and with Obama, right. yeah, we hadn't, we had been focusing on the election so much that, you know, we, he was kind of on the back burner. So, yeah. so what did you take out of the farewell thing last night? Anything? You no, know, it was typical Obama. He's, everyone knows he's a great speaker. It's how he got elected in the first place. Mm -hmm. That's why he's been our leader for the last eight years. He's a lot of talk and nothing to back it up. So mm -hmm. it was a lot of fluff. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of, um, f basically false arguments because, um, you know, he would bring up as always, right. He would bring up, um, you know, that he's done all these things and that we shouldn't, for instance, he said, you know, we shouldn't discourage people from coming here because of the color of their skin as if that's the reason why right. people don't like <laughs> illegal immigration. Right. <laughs> so he's using these false premises yeah. to make his arguments, <laughs> okay. to make his points. If they were only all white. We wouldn't mind anybody breaking right. our yeah, law. Open the borders. Just, Come on in. Come on in, white people. Break our laws as much as you want. I, right. I'll, I'll tell you, I have never seen a Republican who was upset that a white person murdered someone. It's only never. when people right. of color murder right. people that Thank they get you. upset. That's I mean, exactly right. take take your guns and knives and go out and do whatever you want, white people. Right, uh -huh. you're white. Go ahead. Free reign. There you go. Right. So, but yeah, it was just it was a lot of fluff. It, you know, if you go and fact check it. He's not accurate. And I think it's interesting that he, he it's kind of eerie the way you can compare him to Bill Clinton. Both of them were fairly mm. popular at the time, you know, that they left. But if you actually look at what they did, yeah, there's not, he terrible. doesn't have a lot. He's been president for the last eight years. Mm. What does he have to show for it, really? What is his legacy? Other than Obamacare. Obama, which, which is, is going to be repealed. Yeah. We hope. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's, you know, you know I don't. I don't see how they cannot at this Race point. relations right. so many, than ever. So many <laughs> leaders have, right? Unemployment. Uh, I know. I mean, he says all these. than ever. He uh, says all these uh, things, uh, and they're just not true. Yeah. But he says them really great. Yes, and I he think does. he's gonna. He's gonna. I think history's gonna look very kindly on him yes, because you think. He's, I mean, he's leaving now with a 60% approval rating. Right. And we're going into Donald Trump, who's entering office with a 37% approval rating. Right. Now, maybe this country will come around and, and, and just adore Donald Trump and think he's the greatest thing of all time. I tend to doubt that, yeah, as I, I think we I all might. That happening. Um, and mm. they're going to look back and they're going to say, George W. Bush left in the 30s, Trump started at 37, and here's Barack Obama, who largely was unpopular throughout his entire presidency with approval ratings mm -hmm. in, the, in the mid to low 40s is leaving because of this election with Clinton and Trump is going to leave with a 60% approval rating. I mean, it's going to drive me crazy. That's been Trump's uh, percentage all along. Yeah, he's never right. mid-30s to 40% right. all along. Yeah. Still got him into office. It did because yeah. Clinton was worse. Yeah. But, Amazing. I mean, okay, so, I mean, I, I would agree with you. I think in the next, you know, 10 or so years... We're still going to see all of these good, good notes, you know, about right. Obama and the legacy mm -hmm. he left. I don't know about 20 or 30, though. I think by the time, you know, I have a four-year-old son. I think maybe by the time that he is in high school and learning about history, I feel like they can't ignore, you know, Ob Obamacare. Right. They're, they're going to still see all of these rippling effects that are going to take place for years to come because of that program. I hope so. I yeah, hope so. and I think they're going to, I mean, they're going to have to come to grips with it. I think we just got a burst of optimism on this program. Yeah. There's yes. a burst of optimism. Thank you. you. Wow. I, am, I am the Blaze cheerleader. There you go. <laughs> Sarah Gonzalez, thanks so much for coming thanks, on the program. Thank you. All right, back in a second with, uh, well, it's National Milk Day. So we have a right? Spoons episode. Obviously, all right. Obviously. On the other side. That is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Right you really here. like milk. Yeah.
are. Look at that. Uh, there you were, Jimmy. Oh my gosh. That's National great. milk day. National yeah. milk day. This is um, your day. Yep, this is Jeffy's big day. He's a big fan day. of milk. We've got uh, regular milk. We've got chocolate Strawberry. milk. And strawberry milk. Now you might say to yourself, "Wait a minute! Don't you guys know what those things already taste like?" No, yes, I've never had milk. No, we don't. Not this particular cup. Chocolate. You going strawberry first? Strawberry milk. This is uh, what brands we got? True. Uh, this is Nesquik. Oh, Nesquik. Okay. So Nestle, Nestle, Nesquik, strawberry. Very delicious. I like it. I mean, it's basically just a, 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 drink, a candy drink. No, Jeffy, we wouldn't expect you to use it. it never. And then the this is a uh, True Moo. True Moo. True Moo. Chocolate milk. Is that supposed to be fabulous? Mm. Super creamy, supposed to be. Um, my oh yeah, it's pretty creamy. Mm. Is it good? Oh yeah, it's creamy. It's it's a, it's not um, it's not the you know the creamiest I've ever had. No. But that's pretty. No, creamy. but it's pretty good. Like that's definitely like the difference between the Nesquik and that is significant. You can almost be able to see tell Very it visually. Yeah. Like you see like the the strawberry, uh, and this is in depth. But uh, what what would Captain Crunch in milk taste yeah, like? Six to the side. Can more. you imagine? I, I can't. Can, I can't even think of what that means. Are those be Oreos like. too? They are. Here, Jeffy. Oh my gosh. Captain, Good job. Okay, with there's that. some Captain Crunch, and I'm actually gonna put some. Yeah, you know. Regular milk in it, because I can't imagine have, what that tastes yeah, like. And for what, science, mm, I'm going to try to find out. Crunch with chocolate milk or do strawberry we, milk? Do we need National mm. Milk Day, though? I mean, seriously, like, it's no. yeah, this is an important part of America. Why does everything have a day now? It's so irritating. Know. I mean, this is and the yet, first day that uh, bottled milk was delivered in America in 1878. It's a very important day in America. Are you, like, a milk historian? No, I just read about it. <laughs> I mean, why I could would, be. Why would anybody care? This is the first day that bottled milk was delivered. It was a big day in America. Why would you care about that? Changed America. Mm. Changed the way America lived. There's a lot mm. of good Captain Crunch flavors. We've got a taste test of, I think, a couple of new <laughs> ones uh, coming up soon. But, man, the original is just so good. I mean, they really they really nailed that Such one. Such a unique taste. You know? Mm -hmm. Nothing right. else cuts up the roof of your mouth either. Mm. Quite like Captain Crunch. So thank you for that.